The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? And now we are sitting here the very last day of the International Association of Privacy Professionals conference in Washington, D.C., and what a way to end. Oh, my goodness. I just heard the most hilarious but also most enlightening and intelligent keynote speak speech by a wonderful speaker who I have sitting right in front of me. And if you look at our website, you'll see his picture. We've had a lot of fun. We even had fun with him at the Privacy Bash last night, ran into him, bashed into him. And he's a great guy and really an incredible man. Let me tell you about Hassan Alahi. And Hassan is an associate professor of art and director of the Digital Cultures and Creativity Program at the University of Maryland. He's an interdisciplinary artist whose work examines issues of surveillance, citizenship, immigration, transport, and borders, and frontiers. His work has been presented in numerous exhibitions and venues, such as Site in Santa Fe, uh, Center George in Pompidou, uh, Sundance Film Festival. I could go on and on. There's so many, but I want to talk to him. He also has been uh, frequently in the media, so we're very excited to have him on our show. And he has been covered by the New York Times, Forbes, Wired, CNN, ABC, CBS, NPR, Al Jazeera, Fox, and also he appeared on the Colbert Report, which he said was actually a lot of fun. And in 2010, he was an Albert McDonald Fellow, and in 2009, he was resident faculty and Nancy G. McGrath Endowed Chair at Skohagen School of Painting and Culture. So we not only have a a real privacy expert when you hear his story, but we also have an incredible Renaissance man with us who I think should be at the improv. So wait till you hear him. And thank you so much for taking the time to come and be with us this afternoon, Hassan. Thank you for having me. So Hassan, you have to tell, excuse me, you have to tell your story. Start out and tell it because it's just too amazing what happened to you and how you became this privacy expert artist. Yeah, you know, it wasn't exactly by choice. Uh, I kind of stumbled on it. Uh, I was coming back from an exhibition that I was doing overseas, and as I'm coming back, I was taken in by the the authorities and uh, questioned about my whereabouts, what I was doing, who I met with, and all sorts of stuff. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, eventually, I think anyone that talks to me for more than a couple of minutes realizes I'm, I'm no terrorist threat. 
<laughs> but uh, unfortunately, the system doesn't trust itself, and you know that it didn't give this person the authority to say, "Hey, guy's harmless, leave him alone." But so. This went down for the next six months. Well, first tell what happened, because I think the story of what happened to you when you were at that Detroit airport, people can really, really relate to and kind of freak out about. Yeah, so, you know, I'm coming in and I, uh, basically it's just a typical in and out that I'm going out of the, uh, coming back into the country, I hand my passport over, and I, it's a U.S. passport, and I end up in an INS detention facility which is kind of awkward for, uh, to say the least. If, if not, actually, I'm not even sure if there's legal grounds for INS to detain U.S. citizens. But anyway, so uh, I got taken in, and uh, this huge, huge, huge room with all these far-fetched corners of the earth from everyone from, you can just see the fear in everyone's face that this is their first day in the U.S. and things aren't going terribly well. So, of course, I'm sitting there and then uh, sitting around, and then this guy in... Uh, the suit walks straight up to me and just looks at me. I was like, he says, I expect you to be older. <laughs> so I'm like, no, well, you know, I guess this is as old as I'm going to be. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I uh, he, he, so I'm explaining to him, I was like, you know, you mind explaining what's going on? And he's uh, it's like, you got some explaining to do yourself. So we go in a, in an interview room, as they call it. Uh, you know, the, 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 the FBI has a very interesting choice of vocabulary. So I uh, went in, he asked me all sorts of things, of, you know, where were you, what were you doing, who pays for your trips, who do you meet, all sorts of little details. And then rather abruptly, he asks me, uh, where were you September 12th? And of course, most of us, when we get asked a random date, it's kind of like one of those TV shows. It's like, you, know, you don't really remember exactly what day. And, and, I, and it, we have to remember that this is September 12th, 2001, yes. yeah. so right this, after September 11th, so that people that understand yeah, what we're so talking about. Is, so this was taking place, uh, this this happened in, this, this um, conversation with the FBI was in June 19th of 2002. Okay. So, uh, but they're asking you where yeah, were you and September 12, 2001. And, uh, yeah, so I, I said, No, I don't remember, but I can look it up for you. And we looked up my, my uh, appointments for that day. We looked up my appointments for the 11th, the 10th, the 13th, the you know, 20th. We read about six months of my calendar. Luckily, you keep a really good calendar. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> It's, it, could be, it was on your PDA at the yeah, time, right? I mean, it could be pretty bad if I didn't have that detail, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I like I say, you know, I, I don't look good in orange. <laughs> you know, it's not, a, it's not a, it just doesn't, it clashes with my, with my skin color. Right. And it doesn't really highlight my, my, color, my hair color right Right, either. right, right. Anyway, so, um, and I'm sitting there, and of course he's like, hey, you know, it's, and, and then he's, he's, he asked me, you know, this, uh, he had a storage unit near the campus. I was like, yeah. He goes, what'd you have in it? You know, winter clothes that I got no use for in Florida. <laughs> you know, um, assorted furniture that I can't fit in my ratty apartment. And, uh, you know, just garage sale junk because I'm a pack rat. And he looks at me really confused and just looks at me and says, no explosives. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm certain there were no explosives because I would have remembered that. <laughs> so turns out that they had received a report that an Arab man had fled on September 12th who was hoarding explosives. And that Arab man would be me. Never mind, I'm not Arab. But it doesn't matter. You know, if, you know, they're all the same over there anyway. I mean, that's the kind of 
ignorant uh, behavior we're operating on. You're from Bang- you were born in Bangladesh, but yeah. you grew up here in the United I, I States. I grew up in Brooklyn. Yeah. You know, that's home for me. Yeah. You know? And uh, so, I mean, so, yeah, so I'm thinking, it's like, what, what's going on in this situation? Anyway, so, uh, you know, at the end of it, uh, conversation, which probably lasts about an hour and a half, he said, you know, I have enough information here. I'm going to pass this on to the local Tampa office. They're the ones that initiated this. They'll follow up with you. We'll get this cleared up. I mean, he obviously knew that this was just a, a mistake yeah. and yeah. some paranoid, you know, if you see something, say something, even if it's wrong. Right. You know, it's like we're, we're dealing with this hyper paranoia uh, state of mind, you know, this us and them kind of behavior. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like this this people probably saw, you know, they saw a name that was kind of funny. And it's like, oh, yeah, he looked a little funny. Well, what's his name? Let's look up his name. Well, he's got this, he's got this, like, Muslim name. And if he's Muslim, then he must be Arab. And if he's Arab, then he must have explosives. Yeah. I yeah. mean, everybody knows that, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the logic we're operating here. And that's the, so yeah, so eventually I got uh, back to Tampa, phone rings in my office. Guy says, hey, we'd like to do a follow-up to your interview in Detroit. Mm. That's actually, it's far from an interview, <laughs> but that's what they call it. Your interrogation? Yeah, yeah. So, so, <clears throat> uh, so I said, hey, uh, it said, hey, we can meet you at your house. We can meet you at your work. We can meet you at a public place, wherever you prefer. You know, well, I got nothing to hide. I'll show up at your office. So uh, I, uh, I get there down on Zach Street in downtown Tampa. I park my big old Bubba truck, which uh, I, had a, I used to have a full-size F-150 with the shotgun rack and the, you know, uh, with the country music preset, because I like country music. I like really bad top 40 Nashville country. And you so and my I, husband, huh? Yeah. You and Lloyd, you have yeah. a good time together. I'm telling you. you know, he can, has his F-150, too. You know, we can go, you know, we can go line dancing. Yeah. And uh, I actually do know how to, I know, I know a little about this stuff, you know. Okay. And anyway, so uh, I'd, uh, I'd park my Bubba Mobile and come out and I'd turn the corner and this guy's like, please wait. And this real weird thing was saying, we're about like 30 feet away, so he can't, I can't, you know, it's too far to have a conversation, but he's watching everything you're doing and he's mm-hmm. talking on two phones back and forth. <laughs> On both ears? Yeah, he's kind of going back and forth with them. And the only thing that I'm thinking is, like, some van's going to pull up and I'm going to get abducted and no one's going to hear from me again. Right, right. That was a tough one. So I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay. And then, then, you know, if he puts his phones away, looks at me, goes, you may approach. (laughs) Did he have a suit on and dark glasses? Well, not the dark glasses. Mine is the dark glasses. (laughs) Um, So I approached. And I walked into the building. And, you know, this is not your typical security guard. These are federal marshals. Right. You know, real mean-looking guys. Mm. Uh, you know, I, big. I, yeah, you know the, the the typical. You know the look. You know the no neck guys, <laughs> and that. So, uh, uh, no, so there's these three guys, and I remember one very vividly. A uh, very pink guy. Mm. You know, the the, the Ruddy Florida, face. The Florida sun wasn't treating him very well. Oh. And uh, he's kind of like, and obviously not a native Arabic speaker, but he oh. starts yelling at me in Arabic. Oh. <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't know what you're saying. And he just ignores the fact that I'm talking to him in English and continues barking me in Arabic. It's like, I got no idea what you are asking. It's like, I know you speak English. Whatever you want to ask, ask me in English. I'll be more than happy to tell you. I think the guy on the phone's had enough of the circus at the moment. He says, it's okay, and walks me through. And we end up in a, see the 516 or 615? I can't remember the room number exactly. But uh, up on the, in the, in, in the building, we sit down, you know, we sit around a table, L-shaped desk, wood ring with yes. chrome legs. 
And surveillance cameras around? There was a camera in the corner. Yes, okay. I think there was one camera. I don't remember multiple cameras that day. Just shooting at your face? No. Oh. No, it was just in the the room. And... um, yeah, so the so the questions began, you know, questions like state your name, state your occupation, you know. And it, yeah, I mean, I, I work at a university. You ask academics one simple question, they'll go on for the next half an hour telling you all sorts of details and all sorts of, like, long-form essay questions and things like that. Because, you know, I get, you know, I, I talk for a living. Yeah, you're a professor. What, what do you expect? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I would sit there and, you know, they, they would ask questions like, uh, have you ever witnessed or participated in any act that may be detrimental to the United States or a foreign nation? <laughs> if you can't wrap your brain around the fact that you've just been asked four questions, the answer is any of the above. Right. You know, so I was like, yeah, you know, it's like uh, I was in Chiapas recently, and uh, you see the Zapatistas are actually quite visible out there. And I'm trying to explain what I saw, and uh, they just cut me off. They're like, uh, we're not interested in indigenous populations here. And uh, so I said, so, you know, the guy's like, okay, I'm going to cut through the chase. Have you ever met anyone from Al-Qaeda? No. Have you ever met anyone from Hezbollah? No. Have you ever met anyone from, and he named like a whole bunch of groups. And I consider myself relatively on top of world affairs. I some of them heard, you didn't know. No, I had no idea what these people were. <laughs> and then when we got to, have you ever witnessed any activity by this, 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 this? And when we got to Hezbollah, I was like, yeah, you know, because in Lebanon, when you're traveling around, you'll actually see signs that say the Hezbollah welcomes you too in the name of the town. Oh. Really? Yeah, which is kind of <laughs> odd. As an American seeing these things, you're like, oh, this is, it's like kind of like, you know. It's freaky. It's like the mob welcomes you to this town. <laughs> and, Welcome uh, to Chicago yeah. by the mob or you New know, York. Okay, you know, these the little smaller towns. Yeah. But uh, so I told him that. He's like, what were you doing on a Hezbollah bus? I was like, I don't know. I was on a Hezbollah bus. I just took the bus from Damascus to Beirut. He's like, you were on a Hezbollah bus. How do you know? Because the main bus takes the main highway, and the Hezbollah bus takes this little road that goes through these towns you went through. Yeah. So uh, you know, so so not only you're dealing with like these guys that are like kind of physically imposing and really scary guys. I mean, yeah. you know, you're dealing with total recall RoboCop here, <laughs> and you're kind of scary. So were you yeah. were you really nervous? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But were yeah. you making fun? No, I mean, no, 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 no. You weren't like you're talking not. with me now. No, not you were like, no. oh, this is no. like my life. I don't want to be yeah. like no, thrown seriously. away forever. Seriously, yeah. when you're you were fa- real serious. Yeah, when you're face to face with someone with that much authority over yes. you, and essentially they can decide life or death. Yeah, you don't behave like a rational human being. Right. And you you revert to this animalistic instinct of survival. Right. And you do whatever this animal's got to do to survive. Right. And right. in my case, survival meant cooperate. Yes. yes. Cooperate, tell them everything. It was like, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Right. What would you like to know? Smart. Yeah, because, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, you know, it's, a, it's those instincts that kick in. It's, right. it's, not, it's not logic. Right. It's not, you don't intellectualize what's happening. It's not an analysis process. It's, right. It's really survival. But you were smart enough not to get so mad and start screaming at them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because I mean, some people do that kind of thing. They get really indignant. Which No, it doesn't, it doesn't work. work. But you're, that's why I said yeah. you're smart enough yeah. to know, just cooperate and be yeah. open and honest and transparent. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, uh, it's, it's one of these situations where it's, it's such a bizarre situation to be in. Yeah. I mean, it's a very sedative experience. I mean, you see yourself Nightmare. doing things, but you dare not take action because you know the consequences. Right. And it's never stated to you, well, if you don't do this, then we'll do this. So this this unknown. Right. 
and they're you know then they're they're, they're professional. I mean, they're it's like you know they're, they they don't editorialize anything. It's just right. you know they're not they're not overly friendly, but they're not unfriendly. Right. You know they're polite. Just they're polite and professional. Focused. Yeah. 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 And um, so it's it's an odd experience being in that in that situation with them because you know I could have said screw you guys this is right. illegal I'm getting a lawyer right but right. I also had enough sense to know that whatever was happening was happening outside the law and the law didn't matter right I mean whose law yeah who where you might ep- yeah. end up in Guantanamo yeah, yeah you know yeah. right mean, so uh, you don't want to take those risks no. so basically the instincts is to how do I how do I decrease this hostility how do I de- diffuse the situation. Mm-hmm. How do I get out of this? Right. And that, really, that's that's what with I was my doing. life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, and my strategy was to tell them everything. Right. Every detail of every little question, everything. Yeah. And in your in your keynote, it was so funny. They asked you where you were, and then where were you before that, and mm-hmm. where were oh, yeah. and then yeah. detail. Well, and, and you Super should tell detailed. my audience. I mean, you are traveling all over for art. Yeah. You know, my business has been good. Business has been good. <laughs> Um, I'm, I'm in exhibitions on a very uh, frequent basis. I do a lot of lectures, uh, a lot of a lot of things all over the world, which has been great. Uh, Until you complain. got caught. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I still. I mean, I still. I'm, I'm still just as busy. Uh, right. Actually, I think I'm way busier now than I've ever been. So they were really doing uh, you a favor, the FBI. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's a collaboration that I have going with them. Yes. You know, they don't know it's a collaboration, but it's a collab. I collaborate with them. We have to tell what you did. So, so let's go. Okay. okay. So you're you're, so you're in, yeah. in Florida. Yeah. You're in this room. Yeah. You've been interrogated. Well, you're open and honest. That's just that's just one day. Right. This went on for six months. How often? It's two to three weeks. Sometimes it was over the phone. Sometimes it'd be in person. You know, it's like, look, I was like, hey, what can I do for you? Yes. They would call me. It's like, hey. How you doing? How are you doing? What can I do? <laughs> what would you like to know? How may well, I help you? I think it's you? also scary that in Florida, isn't that where they took their flying lessons yeah. in Florida? Yeah, it's down in Sarasota. The, yeah. So I think Florida and and just somebody claiming Maybe. that you have explosive that, you know, they put I mean, these outrageous puzzle I mean, together be. that didn't match. It yeah. could be, but, you know, but it all goes down to if you see something, say something, even if it's wrong. Right. Right. You know, and, and you were it's, thinking that it, there were only a couple of people that knew that you even had a storage yeah, unit. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's like it's you're going on, you know. Instinct. Re- re- relatively ignorant information. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's probably the best way we can put it. Yes. No, that's you don't <laughs> want to defame anybody, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Uh, so, anyway, so. Um, this is going ended, on for six months. Yeah, it finally ended with nine consecutive polygraphs in one sitting. <laughs> were yeah. you sweating? I don't even remember. Oh, I mean, you know, it's, it's a very sedative experience, very sedative experience. You know, you kind of just chill. It's almost like watching an executioner at work because they're so methodical and so precise. And uh. The guy had like a voice like Hal from 2001. <laughs> is today Now, Hassan, yeah, just move over here, Hassan. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that. And uh, it, was a, it was a bizarre experience. And so after after yeah. you took all these, so he leaves uh, the room, right? And then my regular FBI agent comes back in and says, "Everything's great, everything's fine." I was like, "Yeah, I know. That's what I've been trying to tell you guys all along." It's like, you know, it's like, can you guys give me a letter saying everything's okay and everything's fine? Right. So I can carry it with me wherever I go. Exactly. Yeah. Because well, all we need is the last guy at the last airport not to get the last memo. Right. And here we go all over again. When you said that in the keynote, I was thinking about when I was a victim of identity theft mm-hmm. and my thief was also a meth addict and did other things. I I got a letter mm-hmm. that I carried in my wallet for like 10 years yeah. because yeah. I was so afraid I'd get arrested thinking that 
that yeah, so I get it. Oh, I, yeah. I was thinking yeah. that was a smart thing to do. I, I yeah. but they wouldn't give you a letter, no, would but they? They can't because it was all outside the law. Right. <laughs> you know, the magic wand of national security. You know, terrorism. <laughs> so uh, tell what what they yeah, did for so, you instead. So basically they said, you know, if you get into trouble, here's some phone numbers, give us a call, we'll take care of it. And they were cell phone numbers that you could reach yeah, any so, time of the yeah, day? Exactly. So be- before I would go anywhere, I would uh, I would call. And, uh, and it wasn't because I had to, but because I chose to. Preemptive. It was preemptive. It was that, hey, guys, don't want to make it look like I'm running. Don't want to make it look like I've got any red flags. I want to make sure you guys know what I'm doing. Right. And so I'd give them my flight, uh, uh, my flight itinerary, my flight numbers, airport states, everything. Like, thank you. You know, it's like, we'll pass this on. We'll take care of it. And, and then when you traveled, because you had done that, did yeah, you fine. get stopped? Totally oh. fine. So that was totally smart. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like a heads up. Hey, guys, don't want to make am. you guys panic. You know, don't want to make you think like, hey, we got a, we got one here. Right. It's like, no, no, it's okay. He's been checked out. He's all right. Just leave him go. You know, so uh, basically that's that went on for a while. And then, you know, the, the phone calls turned to emails and the emails got longer and longer. And you're writing them these really long, long emails talking to them. Yeah, you're telling, you know, <laughs> giving travel tips. And, uh, you know, I love that when you're talking about, you're, you're telling them these long emails about where to go yeah, yeah, and visit. Food. This is great food here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then what kind of answers would you get? You know, they would always be like, you know, thank you. Be safe. <laughs> Nothing like, hey, thanks for telling us. Oh, Where else should we eat? Yeah, it was like, thank you, be safe. That's it. <laughs> you were saying it was kind of one-sided. You write yeah, these long stories. They're not very sharing. They're, uh, they don't share. <laughs> I mean, they're not in the business of sharing information. You know, they're in the business of getting information and, and giving you absolutely nothing in return for it. Right. So it's really unbalanced relationship. <laughs> it, it doesn't work. You know? And they're with me like every moment of my life for, for like six months, and they want to pack up and leave? Yeah. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, no, no. We have a relationship now. It's like you can't just walk out on me like that. You know, we, we, we have a commitment here. You know, one of these days, I'll get over it. I'll move on. I'll be ready to go on my on my own. But I'm not ready for that kind of separation yet. So tell what you so, did. So I've decided to way back, you know, this is ages ago, and I took my uh, my clunky old phone and decided to turn it into a an, into essentially an ankle bracelet that would, like, track me. This is pre-Twitter, pre-Facebook, pre-Google Latitude, pre, you know, Foursquare. I mean, you name it, all these other applications. So what'd you uh, call your project? You know, I don't even know. I mean, it's it's one of these things where I'm not even sure. If, I mean, at first, it certainly wasn't an art project. Right. It was purely survival. So, yes. So, I, I mean, I basically, uh, you know, it would report exactly what I was doing, where I was. Every little detail of my life was posted online. Especially with those pictures. Yeah. Like today in the yeah. keynote, you know, yeah. you had pictures of all the food you were everything. eating, yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. You had the bathroom in, yeah. in Korea. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the thing is, it's it's everything. In, uh, so every few moments, I, I timestamp my life. So it could be something as just an empty hallway, or it could be something as just as like the food that I'm eating right now, or it could be something as the bed I just slept in. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just very little. It's all evidence that I was here, I was here, I was here, I was here, and I did this, this. And this, there's this. no people in it. It's always it's just rare, you know. I mean, they may be incidental to the image. I mean, there might be a crowd of people, but you, they're not really you know. They're not the. That's not the important part. The important right. part is the evidence right. of the location of the geography of it. Right. Uh, and so I, you you have the. Uh, the, you, you don't say exactly where it is. You just give the oh, no, location. I can, I can, I can, sometimes oh. we're incredibly specific. I mean, some of my databases are incredibly specific. as like truck stops off of Interstate 80. <laughs> I have something as specific as that. I have something as specific as empty parking lots of grocery stores at night. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of those things that add up. And they're, and they're slowly, you know, I mean, I have about close to 50,000 images right now in the database. And, you know, I trust that the FBI has seen, all, seen them all. 
Okay. They're out there to see. Yes. You know, I'm all about I'm all about giving you all the information out there. But in this process of giving you every bit of information, at a certain point, you're like, you know what? I've had enough. I really don't need to see anymore. I mean, I'm actually so much about sharing and you know opening up every bit. I'm even showing you the toilet I just used because you need to know, yeah. and everybody needs to know. And at a certain point, people are like, no, I really don't need to know that. It's like, no, no, you really need to know. And if you put enough of it out there, people will basically turn their head and go, you know, it's okay. So, yeah. even though I share so much of my information out there, this is kind of counterintuitive. But by putting it all out there, I actually live this incredibly anonymous and private life. Yeah, so that's the irony of it all. Yeah. Is that the more you shared, the more private you got. And this is before Facebook. Yeah. Which now you were laughing. You were saying, now you did this, you were like the precursor of Facebook. Now everybody shares on Facebook. I I should have patented it because I could be one of those people suing Zuckerberg right now as well. Yes. You know, I'd be getting in line (laughs) behind 100 other people. But no, no, I'm being being an artist and doing my thing and uh, got my own wacky thing going. So, you know, so in a way, so it started out as a as the survival skill to put this together. Then it became this art project. And now I'm not even sure if it's art project anymore because there's nearly a billion people doing essentially the same thing. Yeah, but, but they're doing it on Facebook and they don't yeah. know what they're doing. No, you, they, don't know, they know what they're doing. I think I think we don't give people enough credit. I don't think credit. they understand most people. I think they know they're sharing with friends, no, but think, they don't know who yeah. else they're sharing think, with. But I think we, we learn pretty quick. You we think so? Quick. Yeah, I think, I think we, you know, the, we, I don't think we're giving people enough credit. I mean, human beings are incredibly smart when they, when they want to be. And I think it's okay. I think, you know, it's... it's I think we know we know what's going on out there. So, what do your uh, students say about all this? Well, you know, they're they're in a completely different culture. I mean, my students are seventeen, eighteen years old. Uh, right. I mean, you know, they were born after nineteen ninety three. Yes. Meaning that that's when the first web browser was commercially available. Right. So the the web has always existed in their world. Right. And uh, it's a very different um, interaction with them because they, they, they live this purely digital life. Right. In a lot of ways. I mean, they live half their life online. Uh, and, so they don't see this as anything kind of interesting or strange well, that, you know, why would you be doing this? Yeah, no, I don't mean, I think, I think they understand the motivation behind why I'm doing it. But right. the process of doing it, I mean, it's not a big deal because this is something that 850 million people are doing anyway. And, and I love the way you brought this about by saying, like, the history is this is when they started doing reality TV. So you were actually doing reality. I had a really boring reality TV show. <laughs> I mean, really boring, you know. I mean, but, you know, since the FBI was interested, I mean, they, I know I had at least one viewer. Actually, I actually got a whole bunch of viewers because when you go through my, uh, I mean, I go through my web logs on a regular yeah. basis. I oh, go through you, my log you know the people. Yeah. And you see who's coming in. You see things from like the the FBI, you know, <laughs> the the CIA, the NSA, the National really? Reconnaissance Office. Gosh, they, why and, would they waste their time on you now? I, they like art. Oh, okay. You know, I'm, I'm really glad that we have such patrons of the arts in these organizations <laughs> in, in Washington, D.C., I mean, I even got hits from the White House, from the executive office of the president. Wow. And, and both during, during you know, Obama and during, during W. Mm-hmm. You know, now, you know, I don't think it's W, because, I mean, he used to call it the Google. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think it's him. No. But, and maybe it's, maybe it's just an intern there. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's Cheney. That's true. If it's Cheney, I'm scared. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got no heart. I mean, literally. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm really scared about him. So, Hassan, you know, being that you came to speak at a privacy conference, what 
give us kind of like the takeaway that you want us all to have. I mean, it was wonderful. Everybody was laughing. It was really very poignant. But tell my audience what you want the takeaway to be. The reality is that, I mean, well, first I have to laugh about it because the other option is pretty depressing. Yes, yes. You know, there's, there's, there's hundreds and thousands of who knows unknown people that don't necessarily have the same agency that as an artist that I that I have right you know and and also I have to be you know quite honest in saying that in it wasn't necessarily my fluency in the language but it was Mm -hmm. my fluency in the culture yes that kept me out of Gitmo yes yes uh, so when you get asked a question and then you can make a reference to the Florida Florida State football game you know Middle Eastern terrorist suspects aren't supposed to know about you know um, college football much less the nuances between the SEC and the ACC (laughs) you know so when you start doing all that stuff they they have to treat you as one of their own so it is it is a cultural relevance too right so so there was a lot of that but I think the takeaway really is the fact that uh, the project is really becoming identity management Mm. Uh, project. So if there's a little bit of information about you uh, out there, it's it's inevitable. You're not going to be able to disconnect. That's not reality. Right. But having a tiny bit of information out there can actually be damaging. Right. Because it may not be the right information. But if you have all this other information there, and if you're in control over that information, then you actually have a much better um, identity of your own because you're the one that's responsible for it. So in the same way, like let's take this to a business. So you know, if you put the business name, the first thing that comes up is some irate customer. You can't tell Google, hey, get rid of this. This makes me look bad. But you can bury it to page 300. Well, that's what Reputation Defender does. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You yeah. need 299 other pages to put that in there. Yeah, and you know what I really love about what you just said about you control it? Privacy in the information age is is actually defined as the right to control the information that's put out all over by you. So that is really amazing that you have controlled it instead of they've controlled it. It's really about ownership of information. It's like who owns that information? And if someone else owns it, and then if you give it away, then the person that owns it has no value of it. That's right. Well, we are just about out of time, aren't we, Lloyd? Hassan, you are just wonderful. It's been so, I just am so thrilled that we got to meet you and we got to hear you. And if you're listening to this, you have been listening to Hassan Alahi, who is a professor. And obviously, he has become a privacy expert and just turned the tables on the FBI. And we just can't wait till he comes and brings all of his beautiful art to UCI, which he says he's going to do soon, right? Hopefully, hopefully soon enough. Okay, well, we're going to stay in touch. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is uh, Mari signing out at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. Join us every Monday morning at 8 a.m. and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Thanks. Stay private. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. 